0: Welcome back everyone to our High Five where we're going to highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, right now a hurricane relief team of volunteers from one church are in Fort Myers, Florida sharing God's love and helping people recover from the damages. High five to our relief team. We're praying for you and the ones that God will bring along your way. In at number four, Our Rutland outpost welcomes Amber as our new outpost coordinator. Her and her husband have a deep love for Jesus and the Rutland area. We're so excited to welcome them and can't wait to see what God has in store as we continue to pray for one in Rutland. So high five, Amber. We're so glad you're here. Here at number three, this past weekend, we kicked off our new sermon series, Odee. There are many lies that we choose to believe regarding money believing lies causes us to make some bad decisions. So who do you believe? God or money? Well, high five to what God is going to reveal in this teaching series. Up at number two, we're celebrating Isaac and how God is moving in his life. Last Sunday, he was baptized at our Bedford Outpost. and It was a beautiful celebration of his faith in Jesus. Way to go, Isaac. This high five goes out to you today. And finally, up at number one, AJ attended our Brandon, Vermont Outpost Sunday and found himself ready to respond to what God was calling him to do and be baptized. AJ claimed the truth that his identity is in Christ, and we're all celebrating that with him today. High five, AJ. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. When I was a little girl, I found a penny at the railroad tracks and we weren't supposed to be playing at the railroad tracks. So I'm sitting in the back of the car now with this penny and I'm looking at it and my mom's starting to drive off and I didn't know she was looking at me in the rearview mirror. This is a bent penny, I don't want this penny, right? I throw the penny out the window. She stops the car. She gets out of the car, she picks up the penny and she looks at me and she holds the penny and she goes, don't you ever take for granted what God provides? And I was like, oh my goodness, okay. So that was my first interaction with money. and I never forgot it. So every time I found a penny, I'd say, ah, thank you God for always providing. I'd pick it up, thank you God for always providing. For quite a while, I did not live a life that honored God. Very far from God. But I knew I was gonna tithe. And it wasn't like I had to do it or I needed to do it or check the box off or something like that. It was that God always spoke to me. Giving
1: was that thing where I knew God was speaking to me and that I didn't wanna let go. There's this little girl that was really hurt a lot as a little girl. And God spoke to me through giving about his love for me. This isn't just a giving. This is so people can hear the message of the gospel. I don't wanna just like pray for one. I wanna make a way for one. And it's for eternity's sake.
2: the first time I had watched that, something that she said really stood out to me. She talked about God speaking to her through giving. And it's on me, but that was not a concept I had thought about before. Like, usually I have maybe thought about I speak to God through my giving, like I'm bringing an offering or sacrifice to him. But when I heard it, when literally the first time I heard it, I'm like, "That's an interesting way to think about it. That God speaks to us. That God can speak to a hurt little girl." I thought that was interesting. Through giving, and I'm like, "Well, why is that? Why is that true?" And I realized, and I don't know her whole story or anything like that, but I wonder if somewhere along the way, as her mom had taught her, it's that 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 God loves you and that God provides for you and that God can be your provision. And, and, and anything that we are able to give, or anything that we are able to have, or anything that we possess, is this reminder that he's a God who knows us and takes care of us, and, 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 and loves us. And I thought that, that's interesting, and I thought the, the other thing I think that stood out to me as I heard what she was talking about, it made me think about when I was a kid and finding pennies, and, and how we can very easily disregard something. Um, we may not see any value in it necessarily, um, and to think that there's a God who sees value in every single person, anyone who might be discarded, anyone who might feel unvaluable, invaluable, anybody who might feel um, worthless it might be the better way, like that, that there's a God who is roaming through the tracks looking for the lost pennies. And Maybe that's you, like maybe maybe that's where you were in your life, is that, that maybe you thought God had forgotten about you, but no, he's, he's seeking hard after you. So we're in a series called Believe, and believe. And we're talking about some of the lies that we can come to believe. And certainly a lot of lies can come with, with money and, and we can make other things. We, we can make money, our God, and we can chase after it. Because, and it makes sense in a lot of ways because money can bring some security. Um, in our minds, money can bring some security. Money can be our provision. Money can bring maybe some, some popularity or, or things that we run after. And so God will try to bring some correction to some of those, those lies because he'll say it's a bad exchange, um, if you're going to make money your God, it, it's, you're, you're never going to be happy. If you're going to make anything that's not God your God, that, that it's, it's, you're going to miss. You're going to miss the joy that God has, has, has brought to you, that he is life, that he is hope, that he is help in the midst of it. And so, don't ever exchange the truth of God for a lie. In fact, our memory verse comes from that. Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Um, it's going to be on the screen, and I'm going to ask that we say it together. There's, there's such power in it, because as, as I read it each week, and as I've thought about it each week, i thought about, like, in my, life, in my life, in my own life, and maybe in your own life, where have you exchanged the truth of God for a lie? Where have you, like, made, made this bad exchange? And so this is what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Uh, say it loud and proud with me. Here we go. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. So today we're going to talk about money and finances. You're like, why are we always talking about this? Like maybe last time you were in church, someone was talking about money. Like what? Why? Why are we going here again? Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, there's has some facts that I got to read to write them down. There's over two thousand verses in the scriptures dealing with money. That's 2,000. That's not, that's not like some small topic that, that Jesus is addressing. So Jesus was, his public ministry was about three years, which is interesting, which is, blows your mind in, it just in and of itself, about three years. And in that three years, Jesus, the topic of money was his primary topic. And you're like, what are you talking about? And, and so I'm like, why is that? Because I'd heard that fact and I'm thinking, why, did, why would Jesus have talked about money all the time? And here's, what I, here's what I, my conclusion, what I came up with. When Jesus came to the world, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's helping people understand that there is a kingdom that supersedes the kingdoms that we see. And so as he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, I think he knows us. We're going to start to think about human governments, human power, and the Messiah is going to come to restore all those things. And so it's very easy for us to think, okay, kingdom, king, power, throne, gold, um, crowns, all of these things. And so Jesus is saying, no, you think I'm talking about this type of kingdom. I'm talking about a spiritual kingdom. And so he's got to bring some correction to to those misconceptions that we might have. Um, Jesus will tell... A lot of parables, stories in which he tries to to reveal a truth in the midst of, of the stories. In over half of those parables, in over half of them, he's dealing with money and possessions, which is interesting. Today we're in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs. There's 900 scriptures, 900 scriptures in the book of Proverbs and and proverbs is a fun book let me just say like if like if like you need if if you need a little dose of wisdom for your day um go pick up pick up the book of proverbs and it is just these these little nuggets of truth and information you're like wow there's a lot there there's a lot about proverbs can speak for itself so there's 900 verses 200 of them a book on wisdom 200 of them speak about money and so there's this lie that we often believe. <clears throat> and the lie that we often believe is all the church cares about is money. Well, I like put the, that we, we often think that. All the church cares about is money. And kind of something to think about is our understanding of the church is the church is the people. And so the, 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 the question is, is all that you care about is the people of the church? Is all that you care about money? And we'd probably, I would hope we would say, well, No. Now, do we care about money? Yes. Like, we are the church. Like, you are the church. And, and, and money has some significance. And so we often deal with this lie of all the church cares about is money. Well, you are the church and we are the church. And so we understand that money has some type of, of resource for the kingdom of God. There, there's, there's some type of utility to money. Money has some type of, of purpose. But it's not all we care about. But man, it usually is through the resources of the kingdom that God is able to make an impact on the world around us and so we're going to go through some of these proverbs today. a little bit of a difference kind of feel to the message because we're going to we're just going to hit all of these proverbs that hold a lot of truth in and of themselves but but we wrestle through it and so 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 the lie is the lie is all the church cares about is money well here here is the truth the church cares about maturity the church cares about maturity the Church cares about about growth and growing that, that we don 't we don't want to be kids no one, wants to, no one wants to stay a kid. no one ever really wants to say like you 're immature that you 're immature with your finances. I was thinking about I was thinking about kids I was thinking about myself I was thinking about when I was younger. you remember when you got a little bit of money when you were a kid and for, for me specifically I like I, I always had this like it was always the candy store um I'd have some money in my pocket I'm like oh quick we can get to the candy store and and we'd walk about a mile um about a mile with all our friends in the neighborhood and we'd go to Shoals Pharmacy Shoals Pharmacy we'd get in there and I'm like oh what can I buy there was something magical about money wasn't there do you remember that do you remember as a kid you're like oh if I could just have a little bit of money because money could do some magical stuff there's something that I want and now there's something in my pocket that that somehow can make an exchange for what I want and so like man I bought a lot of candy as a kid i bought a lot of different things as a kid Uh, and but what what i started to realize is that it may not actually be the best way to live your life for money to always like be flowing through you without a whole lot of discernment in the midst of it there's there's this word in first corinthians where where paul will say when i was a child i used to think like a child it's okay because you're a kid I used to talk like a child. I used to reason like a child. I would even say, I used to spend money like a child. But then Paul will say, like, as he's talking about, it, he says, but when I got older, I'd put away those childish ways. And so, like, when we talk about money, what I realized, and, and please hear me, I, I told this in first service too. This is something I'm learning myself. I think this is something that we're all kind of growing in. And so as we've been going through this series about money, God has been speaking to my heart, like to my heart of ways that I need to grow up. And my prayer has been, Lord, use my brokenness to be able to speak to the brokenness of other people in the midst of it. And I don't want to be a child. I don't think God wants His church to be, be children in how we, how we handle money. And so the church, the church it doesn't all, all, all it cares about isn't money, but, but if, if money becomes our source of satisfaction or we don't know how to use it well, um, then, then in some way we might be shortchanging the kingdom. And I don't know if that's an accurate statement, but it's what well, it flew out of my mouth at that moment. So, so we're gonna talk about what does maturity involve? And so we're gonna just hit some of these proverbs and again, they, they speak for themselves in a lot of ways. And so, so you can go back and you can write them down and you can like search the depths of them because it's there. Um, but what does maturity involve? Maturity involves perspective. It's like, how, how am I going to address this world? What am I going to do with whatever resources God has given me? How am I going to respond to it? And we have to do it with our calendars, and we have to do it with our, with our skills, we have to do it with our lives, but we also have to do it with our money. It's like, how am I going to use this? Lord, give me perspective on how best to use whatever resources you've given me. And so um, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 through 5, it says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. It says, cast but a glance on the riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off like an eagle. Have you ever experienced this? As I was working on this, I saw the other day, and, and I don't know if this is sad news or not, um, for him probably at that moment, but maybe it will be the best thing to happen. Any of you see that the 30-year-old billionaire, it was in the news just as I was like, like working on this, who 30-year-old billionaire, like in the matter of a week, this past week, lost it all. I'm like, that's a... Money can sprout wings and, and fly away. And so there's perspective that has to come with money. But also with money comes, comes planning or the need to, to plan with what we're going to do with it. Because if we're not careful, if, if like we don't have a way that, that we're going to have money work for us or work for the kingdom, it will take over. It will start to own us in a lot of ways. And so you've got to have a plan. And this is what Proverbs will say about, about a plan, planning. Um, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. So, so, so God gives you resources and you're like, okay, what am I going to do with these resources? And if we don't have a plan of how we're going to, man, it's going to take over, right? It's, it, those wings come really fast. If there's not a plan of us telling it, this is where you're going to go. This is how you're going to best advance God's kingdom and best advance God's mission in the world. And so it involves planning. It involves integrity. Proverbs will say this in Proverbs 13, 11. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. It takes integrity. Dishonest money can dwindle away. And you can go home and wrestle through, okay, what does it mean? It can dwindle away. If I'm, if I'm not living my life with integrity, I can't hold on to it or, I'm, it, or it ends with me, I suppose, in a lot of ways. And so dishonest money can dwindle away. It involves hard work. Maturity involves hard work. I was listening to Bo talk about this, and... <laughs> he's like he, he's like um if, if if you think that your financial plan is winning the lottery that is a horrible plan like if you if that if that's the plan of like i'm just gonna win the lottery and, and then it's all gonna take care of <laughs> it made me think of when um we first started having kids my wife was a teacher and this is stupid uh my wife was a teacher and and she she was gonna stop teaching to uh, to invest in our kids and raise the kids and I'm like, honey, I got an idea. All those radio station, um, all those contests, you just surround yourself with radios. And do you be ready to call? She did not like that idea, by the way. Did, I don't think she called. Like, you win. For, forget it. Um, <laughs> it's a bad plan. <laughs> Maturity involves hard work. I think there's wonderful value in hard work. I think there's something about hard work that is needed in the human soul. I look at I look at billionaires, and I and I am intrigued by them. I, I'm intrigued by this fact of them is that they they keep working. And you would say, well, you got all the money in the world. Like, no, there's, there's something that money, money can't fill that gap. And so, so it, it takes hard work. This is what um, Proverbs fourteen twenty three says. All hard work brings a profit. And then we can argue about what that profit looks like, but it's saying when you're willing in your life to work hard, which we don't always talk about, I suppose, within our culture. When you're willing to work hard, it brings some type of profit to your life. Um, but just talking about things, just mere talk, leads only to poverty. Maturity involves moderation. Maturity involves moderation. We live in a pleasure culture. We live in a I want it fast culture. We learn it with a, a burn, burning holes in your pockets or or, or or culture and learning like moderation is how do I be moderate in this? Um, Proverbs chapter twenty one verse seventeen it says, "Whoever loves pleasure will become poor." That <laughs> stood out to me. <laughs> if you love pleasure, you will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil, they will never be rich. Verses 25 through 27 says, The cravings of the sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable. How much more um, so when brought with an evil intent? Finally, maturity involves freedom. Maturity involves freedom. to be able to move about God's mission, to be able to be a person who blesses other people, who isn't enslaved by debt. Sometimes when we think about the church and we think about people, and this is not a critique, this is a critique on me as much as it's like, sometimes we can be so much in debt that we're actually not able to step in freedom of the things that God calls us into. And so, freedom. This is what this is. Uh, this is a big Dave Ramsey. He teaches financial peace university. It's one of his big verses that he talks about a lot. It says, "The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender." I don't raise your hand on anything, but do you ever feel like you're a slave to the lender? That you just got to keep working, you got to keep working, you got to keep working. What if God wants you to to be able to step into freedom? What if he wants you to be free to be a blessing to the people around you? And, and, and because our desire might be there, you're like, I want to be a blessing to people, but, but I'm slave to all of these other things and they've all got me. And, and what if you say, no, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to say, God, God how do you want me to use this life that you've given me and the resources that you're, you're pouring into me so that I can, I can best help people see Jesus? Because that's what I'm convinced of, that your mission, our mission together is, is not the accumulation of money, wealth, power, fame, and all these things. It's to make Jesus famous and to say, God, may you use me to be generous with your love to others Lord may you use me to be generous with your mercy and grace and forgiveness with your message to people around you Lord may you use whatever I have for your glory and for your purposes Um, because what you see is one of the first marks of maturity is a life of generosity the church cares about generosity the church cares about generosity why does the church care about generosity is because we serve a generous God and we are made in his image which tells me that sometimes I can believe this lie that I'm not a generous person, or you could believe this lie that you're not a generous person. You may not be acting on it, But if the nature of God is is generosity, when you look at all he gave and created, man, he made this world, which is beautifully generous. Man, he made us, which is wonderfully generous. Beyond all things, he gave his son for this dummy who, (laughs) I keep making mistakes, and he shows his generous grace and generous mercy by giving his son to us. And so we serve a generous God. But here's what's interesting is we are made in his image, which means because you were made in his image that somehow there is generosity that exists in me. And maybe I haven't figured it all out or trudged it all out, but that is who he is. I looked up the word word generous because it was bugging me like where does the word generous come from And because I don't know it seemed weird to me I couldn't figure out how it had started I'm a little bit of a nerd so I'm geeking out a little bit I'm like where did this word generous come from it actually means of noble birth of noble birth I'm like what are we We, talking so when you're being generous you're being of noble birth I'm like that's weird but then I'm like well that that actually might make sense It had king language attached to it. It's like, picture the most perfect king who has all power and wealth. But in his kingship, he's he's willing for the kingdom to benefit out of his surplus, out of his... And so it came to be this idea of to be of noble birth meant that you were representing or you were like your king who was being generous to all the people around you. And then I'm like, well, that makes... We're sons and daughters of the king. And when you, when, you, when you come to Christ and you're following him, you are of noble birth. And so we get to reflect the nature of our king. And so we're called to be generous. What does generosity look like? Generous living is ready and able. Generous living is ready and able. This is what uh, Proverbs um, chapter 3, verse 27 through 28 says. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. You say, I want to be generous. I want to be ready. I want to be ready and able. But if I'm not careful, I can become a slave to the lender and I can not be able to represent my God in the way that I want him to. But instead, what if we were all like, what if we're made in the image of God, called to be generous with our lives as you are? Today, the calling upon your life is to be generous with the grace of God to the people around you. To be ready and able to share his kingdom, to share his love, to share his grace, to share his resources with them. And so, so a generous heart is ready and able when, when there's a moment when God says, here's the person in need. Here, here's the person who's hungry. Here's the per- person who's been thrown to the side and now I want you to use your time like, to, to be able to say, I'm ready and able. I'm ready to be generous. Praise God that I get to feel you through my generosity. Generous living is bold and courageous. One person, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. I love that verse. Because I love paradoxes. Anybody love paradox? I love paradoxes. And that one doesn't make any sense. It says this. It says, uh, one person gives freely. Gives freely and yet gains even more while another person withholds unduly but comes to poverty. It's a paradox. It doesn't make sense. Why is it, if I'm the one giving freely, more keeps coming, and, and if I'm holding on tightly, and, and so, so in, my, in my rational mind, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Until you start to think about God. That God has put you in your life among other people. And God, I don't know if this is the exact accurate way of saying it, but God is looking for people through whom he can work. He's like, how can I bless your classmates? How can I bless your co-workers? How can I, how can I bless the people on the street? He says, I'm going I'm to use you. And if you can be an open channel, if, if you're willing to let my grace my blessing flowed down to you and through you to other people, I'm going to look for open conduits of, my, of, my, of, of me. So, so if, if, if God can find people who, are, who, who have open hands, this is another Dave Ramsey principle, I'm sorry, it's money, and he's just what he talks about. He's like, if I can have an open hand, God's going to say, I can use that. I can use that channel. And so he, God, God can pour the blessing it's not that we're holding on to it because that's exactly what would not work. He says, anyone who holds on to it tightly, God's saying, well, they're not really ready yet. They don't really seem ready yet to let my blessing flow through them. They're just going to hold on to it out of fear or security and all of these, or comfort and, and, all, and, and worry and all these things. But, but I'm going to go look for the people who, who can be channels of my grace to other people. And so an open hand, God keeps flowing through Generous living is loving and merciful. This is a heavy, it's an interesting proverb, uh, 1421. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. And then finally, um, generous living is God reflecting and God honoring. It reflects God. Giving reflects God. It reflects who he is. Giving honors God. And the proverb says this, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. That's a heavy thing when you think about it. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Jesus will say in Matthew, towards the end of Matthew, I think it's 26, he'll talk about I was, you guys overlooked me. I was hungry and no one helped out. I was needy and no one stepped up. I was thirsty and no one gave me a drink. And they're like, when did we ever see you? And what Jesus will say is, anything you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Generosity honors God. It's God honoring. It's God reflecting. And So the church, the church cares about maturity. The church wants us to grow. We want to grow up. I need to grow up. We need to grow up. Like Together, we need to grow up and say, okay, God, help me to use my money wisely. Help me to use your money wisely. The church cares about generosity, cares about boldness. That's why we, we, we often talk about this prayer. Lord, show me the courage. Give me, show me what to give and then give me the courage to give it. Lord, give me, give me boldness in this. And finally, the church, the church cares about prosperity. As an old word, it's an old word that, word that got a lot of bad rap. Because there was this thing going around church, I don't know how many years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, called the prosperity gospel. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Basically, it was this. If you give a lot, God's going to bless you with a lot. And it was often talking about Financially. And so like, if you give a lot, God's going to bless a lot. He's going to give you every, all he's going to respond in kind. You give a lot of money, he's going to give you a lot of money. And so just give a lot and you're going to get a lot. And, and it was called the prosperity gospel. But, but, and so I'm like, I was I, hesitant. Like, do we use this word prosperity? I'm like, well, does the church care about prosperity? Does the church care whether or not it prospers? Like, like whether or not, like, lives prosper? I, I thought about the opposite of prospering, and the opposite of prospering is, like, dying and withering. I, I was getting my wife a present a couple couple years ago, and, and she's not always the best with plants. I'm not either. And so a lot of them die. They wither and die. And so, like, how do we solve this withering and dying, all of this death around us, like, this reminder of, of not prospering? And so I, like, went to the lady at Home Depot. was like, give us a plant that's impossible to kill. And, and so she she pointed us to this one plant, it's called the snake plant. Maybe you have them, maybe you're and and so sort of like, oh, roll on the dice. We'll see if it works this time. That thing has grown and flourished. We have to move it to another pot. And I thought, which one do you want to be? Do we want a life that is shriveling on the vine and there's no life in it? Or do we want like the life that's flourishing? So for Pete's sakes, let's redeem the word prosperity. The church cares about prosperity. Not the way that it was misused and abused, but. If we're not about prospering and we're about withering and dying, that's a really stupid path. <laughs> Why would we ever take that? And so this is what Proverbs will say. God blesses. This is what God blesses. God blesses our obedience. I cannot make any promise to you about you give money, you're gonna get money back. Not only God makes that promise. But I knew, I know that He promises our, that He will bless our obedience if I'm willing to trust in him, I'm willing to obey him, blessing will come. This is what Proverbs 3, 3, verse 9 and 10 will say. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor him with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And you're like, well, I'll take some some vats with wine and all of that. I'll take full barns. I'm not exactly sure that's how God's going to bless you. But what I would say is he might be saying that your joy in your life will be overflowing. And your needs will be supplied. And that you can find joy and excitement and be encouraged. by God cares about our, God blesses our faithfulness. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Keep on refreshing and you will find refreshment. God cares about our relationships. God blesses our relationships. This is a beautiful verse. This is one that I'd, like, write down, like, I, I think at some point I had it written down somewhere. Um, Proverbs eleven ten. 10. Think about this in terms of relationships. Think about this in terms of you being at school tomorrow, sorry, are you being at work tomorrow. Sorry. No, you get to be at work tomorrow. You get to be at school tomorrow because those are opportunities where God wants to use you. But listen to what it says. It says, um, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. It's like, it's like when you live a righteous life, the people around you will be blessed. When you live a, a life that is honoring God, and what does it all look like? I don't know. How does it all work out? In dollar signs? I don't think so, always in dollar signs. But what does it mean? It means when you go to school tomorrow, and you're saying, God, I want to live a right life with you, you will be blessed. When you go to your home and your marriage, and you say, God, I want to, I want to live a right life with you, the people around you will be blessed. When the righteous Prosper. Not wither and die with the righteous. Prosper. The city rejoices. And finally, God blesses our kindness. The generous themselves will be blessed. For they share share their food with the poor. What does the church care about? The church cares about us growing up. Because there's a lot that God can do. There's a lot that God can do through us. And man, we are better together. It's another thing. We are better together. Like, I mean, There's something that we get to do together that none of us could do in and of ourselves. But we get to do it together. And so the church cares about maturity because the more we can grow up in this, the, the more impact we can have. The church cares about generosity because we are little Jesuses, which is weird. That's, what they, that's how the early people around the early church made fun of them. They're like, these are little Christs running around. Ha, huh, they didn't even know it was a compliment. <laughs> like, like you guys are little Jesuses and, and um, we get to be generous. We get to be generous as he is generous with us. And the church cares about prosperity. That our classrooms will prosper. That our homes will prosper. That our places of business will prosper. Because God is there present in us. When we think about the generosity of God, every Sunday we have communion together. And it's this reminder of a God who doesn't hold back. And it's it's this this beautiful opportunity to say, God, you don't hold back. And so, Lord, I thank you for this, for never holding back. And I'm going to respond in kind, like, God, I I won't hold back either. I will give you everything that I I am and everything that I have. And so we do this to the king. As you take the juice, Jesus says, this is my... My blood poured out for you. And whenever you do this, may you do this in remembrance of me. And it's now in this moment that we get, to, we, get to, we get to see and feel and experience the provision of God. The generous nature of our God So we take to our King. Would you all stand with me? Maybe you're here today and you've just been chasing the wrong things. We all have. We all have been chasing the wrong things at some point in our lives. We've made things, we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and we started to worship created things rather than the Creator, and it gets us in a mess every time. You are never alone in that mess. We've all been there. Some of us are there. But the wonderful grace of God, it says, you don't have to stay there. I can set you free from that. And so if you need prayer for that type of freedom, if you need prayer for that type of maturity, if you need prayer for that type of generosity... You're invited. Dan will be down here. I'll be over here in the front. And if there's any way we can pray with you, we'd love to do that. Or if today's the day you're like, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm tired of, like, building my own kingdom. I'm tired of, of all the stuff that I chase. And Lord, I just want to chase you. If today's the day you're like, no, I'm chasing God with the rest of my life, today's a great day to be baptized into him. And so if you want to be baptized, Dan will be down here. And we'd love to, we'd love to do that as well. We all pray with me. Lord, you are a good God. Father, everything is yours. All of it. Lord, I pray very specifically, whatever we got our grip on right now, that we might release it. Whatever we're chasing, Lord, that we might stop in our tracks and come look at you again. And run hard and fast after you. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for your people right now. For the ways in which you've resourced us. Lord, help us to be wise and mature. Lord, help us to be, help us to be generous, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that in the midst of being a blessing to others, Lord, you keep blessing us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.